How's it going, guys? This is the East vs. West podcast, and we are excited for today's Memorial Day episode. I'm Johnny Rich. Uh, I'm Jake Schwanitz. Uh, we got a lot of fun stuff today, so let's get down to it. All right, so we're going to do a little bit of a NHL preview, uh, a little bit of Warriors-Rockets preview, um, Cavs-Celtics review, and then we're going to go over five interesting storylines that each of us found during the OTA and college football kind of preview. So let's get into it. Um, you want to start with NHL? Yeah, sure. Uh, let's go. Um, so how much how much uh, NHL have you been watching this uh, postseason here? Um, I've actually watched more of the postseason than I do in the regular season. Yeah, same. It's been pretty good. Um, I think this is going to be a Stanley Cup with a lot of hype. Um, you have Vegas, who at the beginning of the year were 501 odds, um, and it's great for the city and the sport. And then you have the Caps, who finally have made it. Um, yeah. It's been a long time coming for the city and Ovechkin. So I think this is a NHL Stanley Cup with a lot of great storylines behind it and a lot of hype. Um, it's interesting. I found that uh, there's some sports bookies down in uh, – Las Vegas, that they're down millions of dollars if the Vegas Knights win because everyone just threw money on them, 501 odds, uh, figured why not. And even the owner, the owner of the Knights, he said that they're not trying to lose every game by six goals this year at the beginning of the season. Um, so it's not like everyone knew. It's not like the team was even as ambitious as they've been. So um, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, just such an interesting story because uh, at the beginning of the year, after the expansion draft, all you heard about was everyone dogging on this team that, oh, it's a bunch of scrubs. Like, they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league. It's just going to be terrible hockey. And then out of nowhere, here they are, this major contender. Um, it's just been pretty exciting to kind of watch from afar. Um, just like you, I don't really watch too much of the regular season, but when the Stanley Cup playoffs start, um, I'll definitely start tuning in. Um, super excited for Ovechkin. This this guy's probably one of my favorite hockey players to watch. Um, and about time this guy finally makes it. Uh, he's had heartbreak exactly. after heartbreak. It's been very, very tough watching that. But um, I'm excited to see how he goes uh, into this next cup or into his first cup here against a really excited team too. So it's, like you said, it's just going to be a really hype final. I'm super excited. It's been a long time coming uh, for one team. And then the other team, it's hasn't been a long time coming it's been the shortest amount of time possible so yeah you got the two opposite sides of the spectrum um so what did you think about lebron's performance last night game seven? Oh my goodness um i don't even know what to say i mean i feel like anything that i say would be kind of understating it um the man's just a warrior a leader um it's almost i don't want to say unprecedented because it has happened before but this guy is just i've never seen anything like it um, especially going in this game without Kevin Love, it's just it was a, a crazy performance. Look at look at his team. Exactly. It's, you look at you look at offensive scoring options. His second best option is what Kyle Korver. Yeah, uh, George Hill's kind of showed up a few times these past few games, yeah, but that's George about it. Hill, like, come on. You look at the Celtics. You, I would. I, it goes LeBron. Then you would have you'd have Tatum. You'd have Jalen Brown. You would have Al Horford. You would have Terry Rozier. You would have all these guys above anyone on the Cavs. Yep. And LeBron still just finds a way to get it done. 
is so impressive. For sure. Uh, last night, also another interesting storyline, just the emergence of Jason Tatum. I feel like this guy, I mean, that game last night, kind of, he just announced his arrival, really, and that he can be a real, real, like almost, su- I want to say superstar, but I'm kind of hesitant after that. Just one season, but man, the potential that this guy showed throughout the season and just alone in this series. Absolutely. It's incredible. Absolutely. Yeah, I uh, completely agree. And then they shared a nice moment after the game yeah. where LeBron was hugging him and the, I don't know what he was saying, but talked to him for a very long time. And it just goes to show LeBron's character um, and his love for the game. Exactly. I, recently, I've been hearing a lot of LeBron haters and I just, I can't understand it. Uh the guy is – you got to just appreciate while he's still here. You don't know if you'll ever see someone like LeBron again. Yeah, man. Um, honestly, people just love to hate on greatness, and it, it's a shame that they kind of do that to kind of diminish his legacy. I'm, I'm the biggest Tom Brady hater in the world, but at the end of the day, I still love watching him play, yep. and I completely respect him. Uh, being a Jets fan, he's been a franchise killer my entire life, <laughs> but you still have to appreciate it just out of pure – appreciation of the foot of the sport of football exactly I mean, it's it's amazing to watch and you don't know like we've been very lucky in our time growing up with sports of seeing a lot of crazy good athletes and a lot of talent and it's not going to be like that forever absolutely i mean i think this is probably one of the best periods in modern american sports um just like you said the amount of huge just almost goat type figures that we have right now is pretty incredible. And I feel really lucky to watch this. Um, getting back to the series, I thought the Celtics really showed their youth last night, especially towards the last few minutes of the game. Um, just chucking a lot of threes. I mean, you're only down by six, seven points at that time. The lead wasn't too crazy. And we're seeing Jalen Brown, Rozier. We're just chucking up threes. And it's like, guys, just all you need is a basket here. Yeah. I mean, is that. Them this um, and last night you really saw the first game the Celtics didn't have a lot of shots for them to fall and it's a shame because they played good defense um, and they really had a chance to win that game and then once again last two games they lose Al Horford gone missing uh, <laughs> complaining about the double teams but last night before game seven started they were showing his game six performance and he was missing jump shots. He was missing layups. He was losing the ball. Um, he's an all-star. He's got he's, he's to step up. And the games he did, the Celtics won. And the games he didn't, it was showed. Especially in a game seven, you have, he's, you're the only all-star and the only veteran who's on that team. You've got to step up. Also, uh, you want to talk about not showing up. Terry Rozier, 2 of 14, only four points, just Wow, after the kind of a big series and emergency he's had this Eastern Conference Finals, that was uh, not a good way to go out there and try and get your team to the finals. No, I completely agree. Um, all right, so Warriors and Rockets tonight. Um, it's very upsetting that, of course, Rockets win. Uh, they take the 3-2 lead, and then CP3 gets hurt. Yep. Uh, I just feel like that's... Just it's such the Warriors' luck. Really, it is. Same things happened to them when they played the Cavs, and Kyrie and Kevin Love got hurt. I just, it's amazing how the Warriors always luck out. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think CP3 doesn't get hurt, and I think the Rockets might even have won in Golden State. 
uh, I think they've just been pl- outplaying them. And they, they came out in fire in game six, too. Um, they looked oh, absolutely. great. Absolutely. And then what happened is they scored 25 points in the second half. And you look at the postseason, Chris Paul has been averaging 13 points in the second half. And then James Harden was the second close with 10. So that's your second half guy. And he wasn't there. And it showed. Yeah, for sure. Um, also, just Clay Thompson. This guy, his name should just be Mr. Game Six because. Whenever the Warriors need him in these these crucial game sixes that almost facing elimination, he always comes up huge. I mean, he could not miss the other night. Yeah, he always he always comes up for the Warriors when they're when they're locking that one guy. Yep. So I completely agree with that. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of that game six game between uh, Golden State and OKC before Durant left. Um, when was that? Two three years ago, where just Thompson yeah. carried them towards the end there. Yeah. Um... So, predictions for tonight. Oh, man. You know, I feel like every prediction we've made on this podcast about this series has been wrong. Um, yeah, about the Rockets-Warriors, it, exactly. It, it's been crazy. But you know what? I'm still just going to go with my gut here. Um, I actually think Rockets will pull it out. You have home court. You cannot let this opportunity slip through your fingers. You have everything that you could ask for. Uh, granted, CP3 is injured. We don't know if he's going to play or not. Looking pretty doubtful right now. But still, you've got the home court. You have no reason that you should lose this game. Yeah, I understand that. Um, I picked the Cavs over the Celtics just because of straight experience and that veteran presence and just when it comes down to it, getting the job done. And I wanted to pick the Rockets, and boy, do I hope the Rockets win. Mm -hmm. But without CP3, I just can't pick the Rockets. Um, I'm going to go the Warriors, but I do think it's going to be a great game. And if the Rockets win, I will be a thousand times happier. Yeah, for sure. Honestly, just let's just hope for a great game seven like last night. That was great. Exactly, exactly. All right, so that's our wrap-up of the conference finals. Um, we'll be watching that game tonight. I'm very excited. And then we will have preview for the NBA finals coming up. Um, do you want to move into college football? Yeah, sure. Let's go college football. Um, absolutely. Um, so the way I have it is I just have five headlines. You can just do one each and kind of address it. Uh, go ahead. So, uh, my first headline I got here is, um, after last year's spectacular national championship game and his performance in it is if, uh, Tua Tugavailoa can live up to the hype after that one game, um, a full season is going to be completely different than a game. Um, I saw that he was going through a bit of an injury right now, so he hasn't really been able to compete for his job yet. But um, yep. it, it's no secret. This guy's probably going to end up winning the job. I mean, he's going against Jalen Hurts again. One player is a quarterback. One player is a running back playing quarterback. So yeah. um, I'm just excited to see if this guy can live up to the hype. Um, the talent that we saw in that national championship game was off the charts. So uh, I'm just excited to watch this guy play more, get some more snaps under his belt, and just see how he develops. I agree. I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of excitement around Tua, and it's going to be really fun to watch him. That was actually my first headline, but it was a little different. Um, it came out that Tua, all year last year at Alabama, wanted to transfer to USC, and he said if he didn't get into that national championship game versus Georgia, that he would have been transferring in the offseason. It's wow. um, pretty crazy to hear. And it's almost upsetting to hear. Um, you're a true freshman. Yep. You're at one of the top programs. 
Um, you can learn. You can sit. You don't have to play right away. Um, and I just don't understand why he was just so eager to transfer and just didn't want to be in Alabama. Uh, it's a little concerning. He, in a quote, he had told his dad that the workload in Alabama was too much or some sort of uh, word word phrasing like that. And I just saw that and it really striked to my eye and I was shocked that he had said that. Uh, I feel like you'd want to play for that SEC, that best team. Um, and even if he hadn't played in that championship, you're not supposed to, dude. You're a true freshman. Like, you know, Sam Darnold didn't play when he was a true freshman, you know? Yeah. He, or I mean, he did. He did start to play. He didn't come until later. Red shirt. He he uh, didn't come until later in the year that year, right? Yeah, exactly. So I mean, it's just very concerning that he couldn't kind of handle the pressure and the the job of being that guy who's not going to start and kind of learn and take your time and develop. And some guys completely embrace that. And they embrace the fact that they can get better and learn under an co- offensive coordinator, learn under the previous quarterbacks there. Um, and it just seemed to me like he wasn't on the field and he wanted no part of it. And that's upsetting to hear from a quarterback. You know, to your point, though, um, he is only a true freshman. I mean, he's a young guy. Um, of course, a, of course. A lot to learn on the football field and a lot to learn in life. So, um you know, I'm glad he stayed, though, because I really think that, I mean, obviously, Me this too. is the best situation for him. You're going to have so much talent around you. But just working with Saban, um, I mean, who else could you would you rather play for than Nick Saban? I mean, I absolutely agree. you're going to be in contention for titles. Um, it's just going to be exciting to watch this guy in these big moments, I think. And you'll really see if he kind of has that big game mentality that he showed in the national championship last year, if that carries over throughout his next few years at uh, Alabama. Um, all right, so my number two headline, it's speculation right now that it could be between Dwayne Haskins and Tate Martell for the quarterback at Ohio State. Um, in my opinion, it's got to be Dwayne Haskins. Yeah. This guy was an amazing recruit coming out of co- of high school. He showed what he was worth when uh, JT Barrett got hurt, and I'm excited for Dwayne Haskins and what Urban Meyer is going to be able to do with him. I think he's going to be even better than JT Barrett was during his time at Ohio State. You know what? I think he already showed that. When he came in, uh, when Barrett got injured in the Michigan game last year, that guy looked insane. He It was like almost watching um, Braxton Miller, just one of these better – like not that JT Barrett was a bad college quarterback. No, not at all. But the it's guy – It's a different level. Yeah. he. I mean, he obviously struggles throwing the ball. And Haskins just came in. He showed the athleticism that Barrett had while also being able to hit these passes that Barrett had shown that he could not really make consistently. Um, he, mm-hmm. He's a true dual, dual threat. And uh, that's scary. I agree. Um, it's interesting because he was actually uh, – he was committed to Maryland when he was in high school. And – he decommitted to go to Ohio State, and I think that was the best decision he could have made to be with Urban Meyer and learn in that offense and really have a guy that's going to set him up. I mean, yeah. I mean, we say Saban's the best coach, but probably second best coach to learn and play under is probably Urban Meyer right now. So, uh, Well, when it comes to, yeah, when it comes to offensive genius mind. Absolutely. Uh, I'd say. And then you have J.K. Dobbins, and I just think he's going to excel this year. 
Yeah, man. Um, so I'm going to continue on with that. Uh, one of my next points was the Michigan quarterback competition. Uh, you have Shea Patterson coming in, transfer okay. from Ole Miss. Um, Brandon yep. Peters played a lot last year, showed some flashes. Still not too <laughs> sure about him, wasn't really sold. And then you also have Dylan McCaffrey, who redshirted last year. Um, Christian McCaffrey's younger brother, uh, son yep. of Ed McCaffrey. So there is talent on this Michigan football team at quarterback. Um, last year was just such a disaster at the position that everyone's coming after Harbaugh's head and everything. I really don't think last year was too much of his fault. Um, I mean, he did what he could. Yeah. So I'm, I'm Shea Patterson. I think he's probably going to be the guy. I think everyone kind of knows that right now. And he really yeah, showed some um, flashes. That was actually last year. my number. My number five headline was actually uh, Shea Patterson at Michigan. Uh, I think it's got to be him starting. I think he's a pretty good quarterback. Um, he's definitely the most experienced and definitely the most talented on that Michigan team. Uh, and I think that Michigan could be very, very good with him at the helm. Absolutely. I mean, they showed it when Jake Rudock was the quarterback of, um, what was it, three, two, three years ago. You don't exactly. need a world beater at quarterback to win at Michigan. You just need someone to take care of the ball and just get it to where it needs to go. Yeah. Shea Patterson um, could do that. And I, think, more. I really think Shea Patterson, I, I, Easily would put him as a top 15, top 10, maybe top 20 around that area quarterback this season yeah. in college football. Yeah, you're not a, you're not just getting a game manager here. You might get a potential game breaker with Shea Patterson at Michigan. Exactly. And that's exciting. That, and that's the difference. Uh, I think Michigan's been trying to find that game manager um, because they've never even had that. And now you're getting a game manager who's also going to be a playmaker for you. Yep. Um, it's very special and it's very exciting for the Wolverines. Yes, sir. Um, you want me to go next? Or you got it? Uh, I'll take one. Uh, so my other one was, I think, this Alabama-Texas home-and-home series in 22 and 23 uh, is going to be very exciting. And those are two games I don't think a lot of people are going to miss. Uh, even if Texas isn't great at that point, you just you take the historic uh, appeal of each program and – the dynamic fan bases that each team has. And I think this is going to be a great two-year series. Yeah, last time those teams played was that national championship where Colt McCoy got hurt. Um, yep. Very, I mean, if Colt long McCoy, time. yeah, long time ago, but if Colt McCoy doesn't get hurt that game, I mean, who knows what happens? Uh, Texas was on fire that year. Um, I completely agree. One thing, uh, I'll ask you this question. Do you think Tom Herman will still be the coach at Texas when those games come around? What is this, 2019 season? 18-19, yeah. Uh, I think there's a possibility. Uh, I think that Texas football in the last year or so, I think they're starting to get back a little more to what they are. And I think if they can take another step forward this year um, and then be maybe a borderline 20, top 25 team, and then by 2020, 2021, um, I think they need to start getting themselves in the top 25. And if he can do that consistently and show that he can win, I don't know, eight games a year, nine games a year, uh, 10 games a year, something like that, I think he definitely could retain his job by then. Yeah, he's a How good – I, I think he will be. Um, he was a good coach at Houston, uh, very impressive offensive coach. Um, I agree. La last year, I think he just kind of got a throw away, though. I mean, it's his first year at the program – He's got all Charlie Strong's guys there. He doesn't really have – he's kind of just dealing with what's there. And that, team, and that team, although they weren't amazing, they fought last year. Oh, yeah. 
they fought. They had some good games. Yeah, they took USC down to the wire. Um, pretty sure their bowl game was pretty close. I mean, it was – you definitely saw something different in Texas last year. A little I bit just, of a difference. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think we'll say Tom Herman's there for that home and home. Yeah. All right. Uh, my next uh, storyline for the college football offseason – as uh, familiar faces in new places, um, most notably Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M, Chip Kelly at UCLA. I'm really excited to see what these guys do with these programs. Um, Chip Kelly um, more so than Jimbo Fisher, just because I kind of missed watching this guy in college football, honestly. He made it fun. Those Oregon teams were so much fun to watch. They were so exciting. Um, and I'm just trying to see if he can bring that kind of culture, that kind of uh, gamesmanship over to UCLA. I agree. I'm um, I'm really excited to uh, see Chip Kelly. Uh, I agree with Jimbo Fisher that not as excited just because I kind of know what I'm going to get with Jimbo Fisher. Yeah. You know, I'm uh-huh. expecting Texas A&M to compete. I'm expecting them to become a pretty good program. Um, but Chip Kelly, UCLA, uh, I'd argue you're not getting as good of talent as Texas A&M. And I would argue that it's a little more exciting because – He's staying in the same conference that he used to coach. Yep. Jimbo Fisher, he's leaving the ACC, but you have Chip Kelly coming back to the Pac-12. Um, and let's see if his coaching can still work in today's Pac-12 and how exciting it will be. And if the drop-off of players that he had from Oregon to UCLA is going to make a difference, because I think that's something that you might be concerned about. Sure. I mean, just like we talked about with Herman, I mean, I think you kind of got to maybe give Kelly a bit of a pass this year. Just oh, of course, let him course, get some yeah. guys in, you know what I mean? Um, also, just an interesting side note, uh, Wilton Spate, the former quarterback at Michigan, has transferred to UCLA. Um, is he going to be the guy that succeeds Rose in there? Um, he's not really the Chip Kelly type at quarterback, so that's kind of an interesting fit. So we'll wait and see about that. Yeah, um, that I did see that, and – that's yeah, it's surprising. I don't I don't know if that's the type of offense for him to work in, but at the same time, at least he's an experienced quarterback who when you speak of game managers, I think that Wilton Spate is exactly that. Yep. All right, so you want to go into NFL OTA headlines. What strike do you the most? Um, so I think the number one story coming out of OTAs um was the big injury, Hunter Henry, that ACL tear. It had me wondering, man, are the Chargers cursed? Because every year we see this stuff happen. Um, ACLs left and right, Achilles, just all these crazy injuries that happen to the Chargers. I've never seen anything like this. Yeah, so this was one of my storylines too, and I think it's upsetting there. It's it's almost – it's somewhat like a Met issue. Yeah. uh, Where the Mets, every year their star players go down. Um, And there's just certain teams that it feels like that happens to in sports, and – it's very upsetting because after coming off his injury last year, you thought he was going to, he was due for a breakout season yep. this year. Um, he's a guy I think is really, really good. And it's really upsetting to see. Um, and just in general, that should not be happening at OTAs. Uh, I don't know if he's not working the muscles around his legs strong enough or if it has something to do with the training staff, but it's just upsetting. And now it'll be interesting because Antonio Gates was going to hang yep. up the cleats, and now does he come back, or what's going to happen with that? 
Yeah, definitely an interesting storyline there. And everyone was raving about Hunter Henry during practices. Um, like you said, last year he kind of showed his potential, and they kind of anointed him as the guy. And they were going to pepper him with targets all year this year, and it's uh, it kind of sucks. I mean, I was looking forward to watching him, even as a Broncos fan. I was looking forward to seeing how this team could do, but I guess now we wait till next year. I completely agree. Um, so I'll get into that. I saw a quote from Dak Prescott. He said that the Cowboys just don't need a number one receiver. Um, he said that you don't need a number one receiver to win in the league and that they don't need one this year and they're not worried about it. That's an interesting quote. Um, and I just I just think that's very dumb to say that the Cowboys don't need a number one ride receiver. I think all the top teams and all the teams that separate themselves offensively, they have a number one receiver. You need a number one receiver drawing attention. You need a go-to target. Um, you look at the Falcons. You look at the Steelers. Uh, I'd argue the only place really you don't need it is in New England. Absolutely. But I think at the same time that you either have Gronk as your number one or last year, uh, Brandon Cook stepped up. Yep. But for the most part, you need a number one receiver in this league. I think every team that's going to compete has a number one guy. Um, you look at the Jaguars, and that, that was one of the things that held them back in that AFC championship. They didn't have that go-to receiver. I completely agree with that. Um, I just I don't like that Dak said that. I think it's arrogant. I think he didn't need to say it, and... Out of all people who need a number one receiver, it's Dak. Absolutely. I'll tell you that. Uh, yeah, that's exactly. Um, and then a little side note, I like that Dez is holding out and kind of weighing his options and kind of waiting for himself to get in the right fit. Um, he knows his time is limited. He knows he wants to win. So I think he's been doing a good job of really kind of waiting for that perfect opportunity to come. Yeah, that was one of my points, too. Is that it's been 45 days now since Des Bryant uh, has been on a football team in the NFL. Um, Absolutely. You know, we've kind of seen the Ravens pop up, Green Bay's popped up. Um, it's just been interesting to see what everyone else has said about him, too, because even Aaron Rodgers the other day, he had the quote saying, uh, you know, it doesn't make sense if we sign De Des Bryant. Why would you cut Jordy then? Which I definitely agree with. Jordy Nelson's a way better receiver than Des Bryant. Um, yeah. But I think that'd be a nice fit there for him in Green Bay. Uh, Des Des really needs to go to a place like that with an established offensive culture where he can just kind of plug into a role, um, not kind of take too much pressure on him. I mean, he's obviously not a number one anymore. He just needs to be somewhere where he's got a quarterback that can get him the ball consistently and that he doesn't have to be the guy. I agree. Um, I think it's going to be very uh, interesting to see where he goes. And I think where he goes and who he plays with is going to, dictate a lot of his success in this upcoming season. Absolutely. Um, next point. Um, all right. My, my next point is kind of a question here. Um, which uh, potential contract holdout concerns you the most, Aaron Donald, Le'Veon Bell, or Julio Jones? Um, so for me, I'll actually say this because this was one of my points too. My most concerning uh, is probably the Aaron Donald just because I'm worried about this Rams D personnel's uh, personalities. Um, I think they need to get over themselves. You have Marcus Peters, Akib Tlaib, Aaron Donald, Dominic Sue. You have a lot of guys that are known as selfish 
in the league. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's a fact. These guys are selfish. They think about themselves a lot. Um, they're hard to coach. So I think Phillips really, really has uh, a tough job to do. And I think it's concerning that you're already seeing negative news about Donald um, and him holding out. And I, I just think it's going to be a lot of personalities to handle. Yeah, um, on that point, you, you know, I kind of disagree on Talib though. I think Talib and yeah, Denver, I know, I know, I know you love. Talib, yeah, yeah, he was um, a great Talib, teammate. I think out of all of them, is a little more about the team for me. Talib, he's it's a just, great teammate. Uh, yeah, um, I I do agree with that. For me, his thing is more of just uh, the getting down to fights in the field yeah. <laughs> or stuff like that. Um, he brings that and dog. I don't think he's as big of a concern, but I'm just saying he's still one of those big personalities that for sure you need a defensive coordinator that can handle him and coach him. But here's the thing. Wade Phillips coached him a few years in Denver, and I think oh, that's going to bode well he, uh, for him. I think he did a good job handling those personalities in Denver. Um, but you add Aaron Donald, you add Dynamic Sue, you add Marcus Peters. Now you got a lot of guys you got to handle. It's a lot different than any job he's ever had. You know, I think Tlaib's going to really show his worth as a leader here, though. I mean, he's familiar with the Wade Phillips defense. He's kind of got a mentor or going to be a mentor. To Marcus Peters, you know, he's – you want to talk about someone who's kind of been all about himself recently. Uh, Marcus Peters, this guy, I mean – That's what I'm saying. I'm ju- I'm ju- I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying it's – you have to leave and just mixed with a bunch of selfish guys. Yeah. I'm not saying he's the main guy or that he's the problem. But no, of course. It's just another personality with three guys. I mean, the two main guys are Sue and Peters. Uh, those are two guys I just never would want to have on my team at the same time. They are – both very, very selfish. They act like children on the field. Uh, and they're just not, they're just not culture changing players. Um, hence why neither of them have ever been in a playoff game, ever won a playoff game. It's that's why yeah. um, they're not leaders. They're not people who in, love the sport of football uh, because of like the way teams work or like the way of whole defense can come together. They're more kind of just about themselves and their stats and, when are they going to get paid? So I just, they're great football players and there's a ton of talent. It's just concerning. Sure. Um, also, just to kind of answer my own question, you know, the Donald one is pretty concerning. Yeah, I was going to say, who's yours most concerning? Um, Julio Jones is really, I, I'm not concerned about that at all. I think that'll be figured out. The Donald one is concerning, but honestly, I think the Le'Veon Bell one is the most concerning to me just because that it's been so drawn out. You know, I mean, when you have this issue for this many, for this amount of time, it you kind of get these scars from it, you know what I mean? You, you really start to Le'Veon Bell. It's just bad blood, exactly. Yeah. Le'Veon Bell, I think, is really starting to get pissed off about it. You know, he's seen kind of some disrespect from the Pittsburgh media and some of the fan base at times, or at least he said he has. Um, I haven't particularly seen too much. Um, and he ha- he does deserve to get paid what he's asking for, I think, which is really tough for Pittsburgh because you obviously can't pay a running back that much, especially a guy that's had as many touches as he has over the past few years. So, um, I mean, whether he gets the tag again or what's going on with uh, this after this season, um, it'll be interesting to see because if things keep on going sour, he may not be a stealer too much longer. I agree. Um, I think that's a good point to make. I uh, I almost am at the point with that whole thing where I just I kind of don't even want to hear about it anymore. Yeah. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. I've, I, I never have – heard about a star running back like that who just can't get a contract or the team won't sign him it's just 
it's ridiculous. It's, it's annoying to hear by this point. I mean, either get the job done or don't do it or move on. Um, I'm tired of hearing about it for 10 years now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? It's just, it's crazy. All right. Uh, kind of. You either want them or you don't want them. Yeah. Move on, you know? All right. Kind of running a bit short on time here. So you want to wrap us up with one more good point? All right. Yeah. My last one. Um, well, real quick. Um, no Brett Brady and Gronk at the OTAs. I don't think this is too big of a yeah, deal. Yeah, not a big deal to me but either. I just think it's something that the Patriots have never had this negative culture and to all of a sudden start having all these problems and stuff like that. Um, it makes you wonder, is this the end or is it just a uh, little mishaps or what? But it's just concerning. It's just not their DNA. Uh, any other team, I wouldn't really read much into it, but for the Patriots who do everything right, for the most part, um, I think this is something that you can just make a little note and be like, okay, this is a little strange for the Patriots. Yeah. Um, real quick on that. And, um, it's it's May, though. I mean, I, it's just not that yeah, big of an issue to me. Absolutely. That's why I said I wouldn't be concerned about any other team, but it's just it's just surprising for the Patriots to be having those type of uh, scenarios and issues happening within their organization when they're that staple child, that team that everyone else kind of looks at and is like, they do things the right way there, yeah. you know? Um, and then my favorite headline is Teddy Bridgewater. He has been absolutely lighting up OTAs and Jets workouts. Uh, they said he's been moving really well, that he looks quick. Um, he's been throwing the ball well. And I think that is really, really important because I do not want Sam Darnold playing this year. I just don't think there's a reason for it. And if you can have Bridgewater um, really step in, because I think McCown might start the season or he might do an okay job, but I don't think in week seven, if the Jets are two and five or three and three, I don't know how many people are going to want McCown out there or if McCown's going to be able to replicate his season. So if Bridgewater has a good year or can show that he can be a starting quarterback. I think that's going to do a load or a world and world of uh, progression for Sam Darnold's career. Also for Bridgewater, I mean, this year is huge in the fact that it's kind of his job interview year. You know what I mean? He signed the one year oh, deal. He's not going to be a jet next year. It's, it's pretty obvious. So he's really already playing for his next team. So Absolutely. it's just so important for him that whatever playing time he gets, he takes advantage of, and he just doesn't let that opportunity go through his hands. I agree. Um, and that he stays healthy. Yeah. Officer number one right there. Stay healthy, dude. Please. Yep. All right, man. All right. So thank you guys for listening to our show today. Uh, we really appreciate it. And we have two great games tonight. You have the NHL Stanley Cup final starting. And Game 7 of the Warriors-Rockets. Um, check out the Instagram and Twitter for different polls. And tweet us any questions you have or anything that you might want us to cover in next, show, epi- next episode's uh, content. Yeah, um, really excited to watch these games tonight. Uh, fun night of sports ahead. Um, and let's get into some championship hockey and basketball here. I'm really excited to see these finals coming up. Um, Absolutely. And if you... All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Yeah, have a good one, guys.